This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bulwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, on top of the pandemic, here comes fire season. In this episode, we really want to tell you what you need to know about fire season, So we've invited on reporter J.D. Morris, who's not only covered some of the biggest wildfires of the last three years, but writes about PG&E as a beat. Among other things, I'll ask him about the pandemic's impact on fire preparation and about those frustrating power shutoffs that PG&E now does every year. J.D., thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Damien. J.D., before we get into the pandemic, um... I want to ask you just how the fire season is going so far. It feels like, at least in the Bay Area, uh, there hasn't been uh, the huge emergencies that we saw two and three years ago this early in the season. Uh, That's true, yeah. So at this time, um, a couple years ago, even uh, as recently as as 2018, there had already been... um, you know, some really horrible fires, not directly in the Bay Area, but but pretty close, um, you know, that required a lot of evacuations and scorched historic amounts of the state. Um, that level of uh, destruction and catastrophe has not yet occurred, um, which is very good, and I do want to emphasize that. However, um, it is true that um, this fire season is already a lot worse than last year. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me right now, but the number of fires and acres burned is uh, way up um, from where we were at uh, at this time in 2019. Now, the caveat to that, though, of course, is that uh, 2019 was a pretty tame year um, compared to uh all of the several years uh, before it, um, it w- you know, we had a really wet winter in 2019. So um, the fire season was was uh, much less severe than it had been in the years prior. Um, so and thank goodness, right? I mean, yeah, we really needed a, a break after that. We did, and you know, we still had the Kincaid fire, which was really bad and prompted a lot of evacuations, um, and you know, burned like almost 400 homes, I think, but. Um, you know, it was nowhere near as bad as, say, the wine country fires in 2017 or, of course, the campfire um, in in 2018. Um, and then, yeah, the, the I think the thing that's, you know, making this fire season already a lot worse than it was last year is that um, we had a very dry winter, um, as listeners will remember and, you know, San Francisco, I don't think, got a, like a single drop of rain in the month of February, which is supposed to be one of the wettest, if not the wettest months of the year. Um, so that really uh, sets the stage for um, a bad fire season because, uh, you know, it, it just California's Mediterranean climate, it does not rain here in the summer and fall to any significant um extent. And uh, right now, you know, starting right about this time is what is historically our peak fire season in August, uh, September, 
in October and even into November, depending on when the rains um, arrive, because fuels are at their driest. They've gone the longest amount of time without rain. And then really the X factor in uh, these next couple of months is always the offshore winds, the dry, fast winds that blow in from the east instead of um, you know, from the west, the sea with all that moisture. And when those fast, dry winds come through after months and months without rain, it, um, you know, can lead to some pretty catastrophic fires. So we're all hoping yeah. that nothing like that happens this year, of course. Yeah, we've obviously seen those winds. Um, J.D., let's get into the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I keep thinking about is when the first big fire happens and mass evacuations are done in the Bay Area, where are people going to go, given all of the concern about social distancing? Right. Well, once again, hopefully nothing like that happens. But if it does, the state is preparing for that. And it's my understanding that sort of the general vision of how something like that would work right now is that they would still set up a central location for people, safe location for people to evacuate to um, immediately However, unlike in previous years when everyone would cram into a a gym, a uh, vet's building, community center, something like that, and sleep on cots, you know, um, they are going to focus on um, trying to get people into hotels, um, using hotel vouchers, things like that. And uh, it may be the case that when you um, show up to that central meeting place at first, you have to stay in your car until they figure out a hotel or someplace else to put you Um, to the extent that they need to provide food for folks. It's not going to be like buffet style. They'll be like serving you directly or maybe giving you like prepackaged things. Um, You know, it'll be... uh, an intense coordination, I think, between the state and the Red Cross. Um, But of course, um, we haven't had to do that yet. Um, So it kind of remains to be seen how effective that strategy will be. um, And, you know, whether they'll be able to pull it off um, in the moment, because it always depends on on how bad the fire is and where it's burning and what's available. Um, so fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have, I have an evacuation center right across from my house and when the fires have gotten going in the last few years, it's, it's been packed every time um, yep. the parking lots packed, the indoor is packed. Um, and so I, I'll be really curious to see how they, how they handle it. What about firefighting? Has the pandemic had a big impact on, on what the firefighters can do, the resources? So, yes and no. Um, in terms of resources, you know, we've written before that um, there's been a big impact on um, inmate crews. So California has historically relied, um, you know, to a very large extent on uh, prisoners to help uh, fight wildfires. And, uh, you know, as we all know, there's a really tragic Um, situation unfolding in the state prison system with the pandemic. And so that has, um, I think, pretty sharply curtailed the amount of uh, inmates available to fight fires. So the state has um, been hiring uh, like hundreds of seasonal um, firefighters to um, shore up the work there. Um, 
Also, in uh, I, I think the other lar- largest impact of the pandemic on firefighting itself is in uh, with regard to the base camps. So when they have to set up, uh, you know, a, a base camp where firefighting is, is coordinated, um, that looks much differently than it did before. Social distancing, masks everywhere. Um, I think it's it's larger too, you know, in order to give pe- uh, people space to spread out. And they, uh, they're like morning briefings, um, which used to have like met like a lot of people, <laughs> um, like hundreds, I think even, you know, thousands maybe, uh, crowded, um, together to, to get the morning briefing before they go out and, and fight the fire for the day. Um, that, uh, is now, uh, socially distanced and just fewer people, there, they're like uh, streaming it. People can call in, I think, or it's like broadcast over the radio or something. You, you listen to it. Um, so that's just different than how it was before. Um, the actual um, firefighting itself, though, I think is is still broadly the same. You know, I mean, they they fight the they're fighting fires the best way they know how, and the pandemic is not stopping that. Um, they uh, are, I think keeping different like units of firefighters like uh together in like a bubble like they're not allowing different like groups units of firefighters to um you know mingle with each other um so that will help um and so far so good as far as i know there are some uh cal fire folks who have contracted covid-19 but it's it's like a very small number compared to um you know the the total ranks of cal fire so there hasn't been any like large-scale um, breakout of COVID-19. Uh, and we're all hoping that stays true for the rest of the season, of course. All right, let's take a quick break. This is J.D. Morris. When we come back, I want to ask him about PG&E and the power shutoffs that have happened each year in the last few years. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back. I'm Damian Bolwa. This is Fifth and Mission. I'm joined by reporter J.D. Morris, who has been writing for The Chronicle about how we're entering the heart of fire season in California after some terrible years uh, recently. J.D. also covers PG&E for The Chronicle. And so, J.D., we want to ask you about PG&E and uh, the fact that they have caused a lot of the biggest fires in recent years. And where are they in terms of... um, of, of improving uh, and improving the power grid so that we don't have to have these shutoffs every year. Yes. Yeah, so the first thing people need to understand about that is PG&E absolutely does plan um, to still turn off power this year if, if and when the conditions warrant it. And there's every expectation that they will, um, you know, if, if not sometime this month, the next month or October just happens every year with, with the weather. Um, but they are um, t- 
trying to um, in, improve things. Um, so to prevent their power lines from uh, causing fires, they've been doing a number of things, um, enhanced vegetation management, which just means like stepping up their um, tree trimming, um, you know, to prevent branches and trees from falling on power lines, uh, which is how the 2017 wine country fire started. Um, and they're also um, installing like stronger power poles and covering conductors and doing a li very limited amount of bearing power lines underground. All The reason that that's not happening as fast as a lot of people would like is because all of that kind of work is really expensive. Um, is my understanding. And they're still installing, um, you know, HD cameras to help spot fires, um, adding more weather stations that allows them to better predict and respond to severe weather. Um, and a big thing for, uh, a couple big things for the power shutoff specifically is, um, uh, you know, they're installing sectionalizing devices that allow them to um, slice the grid into smaller pieces. So one of the reasons that the shutoffs last year were so widespread is because PG&E didn't have uh, a, you know, really sophisticated ability to do very uh, limited power shutoffs, which meant that like, and you saw this play out uh, very visibly in Marin County, where um, I think like Mill Valley and other places that were like, uh, you know, like at lower elevations weren't having um, very extreme weather, they still lost power because they were served by power lines that did run through high elevation areas that were experiencing extreme weather. So what PG&E is doing is they're cutting the grid into smaller pieces so they can just turn off, uh, you know, a, a more narrow section of it and not affect people downstream as much. So they've installed like 469 of those sectionalizers as of um, uh, the end of July, I believe. And then uh, they're also installing, um, you know, uh, switches on lines that um, help them like redirect power and keep certain communities energized. And they're doing a couple, um, uh, well, they're doing a, a, a good amount actually of um, like generators um, at, at substations, um, which will help them uh, accomplish something similar. Okay, so if I live in Marin, if I live in Marin County, and I was being fed by a line that comes across a really dry and dangerous, windy area, <laughs> hopefully this year they've sectionalized it so that if they turn that one off, I can still get my power from another direction. Yeah, or they'll have a um, generator at a substation. So, like, l l let's say, let's say hypothetically, your community, it, the power lines that come to your home connect to a substation that is also at the low elevation where you live, but that substation is getting the electricity that feeds into it from a power line that comes straight down, uh, you know, a, a, a tall mountainside with a lot of fire risk. Before, um, if PG&E had to turn off the that power line going into the substation, all, all your home would, would lose power even if only the mountain had the high fire risk, right? But now, maybe that substation has a generator to it. So if your neighborhood has safe weather, but the power line going into that feeds into the substation is experiencing, you know, dangerous conditions, PG&E could turn off that and then the generator will turn on, which will allow your home to remain energized. Does that make sense? 
Got it. Got it. Okay. You mentioned generators. Um, JD, I got to tell you, um, when I've been going to Costco lately, you know, there's these massive, massive areas dedicated to a bunch of generators. Um, people are obviously trying to decide whether to buy generators so that in the event of a, of a power outage, they can at least get their, a, a few lights in their refrigerator going. Um, what, what do you, I know you've been talking to people about generators. What do people know about what, what, what should people know about whether to buy them and what they do? Um, well, it's, it's definitely an option. Um, but it, it's pretty costly. I mean, it can cost thousands of dollars, um, to get a generator, get it installed, um, and all of that. I mean, it, it, it's not as simple as just going to the store and buying something, going home and plugging it in and then you're good, you know? Um, and if you have a, uh, so if you have solar panels on your roof, that's not going to keep your power on either, unless it is, um, you know, connected to storage, you know, or has the ability to, um, island itself from the grid. Um, so generators are, are definitely an option. Um, I talked to, uh, one company in Santa Rosa, um, called Firebrand Safety Systems that, um, this pretty new company really didn't fully get off the ground until, um, you know, recent, very recent months. I think, uh, just within the last couple months was when they, they really, um, launched and they do um, what they call a turnkey solution, which means that they don't just sell you a generator, they'll actually like come out and install it for you. And um, that company was specifically designed um, for this reason, for the shutoffs um, and because of the fire risk is Everyone is all too familiar with. I'm sure you know Santa Rosa was super hard hit um, by a fire that in 2017 was at the time the most destructive fire in state history. Um, and the chief operating officer of this company, Firebrand Safety, um, he uh, uh, lost his home in Santa Rosa's Coffee Park neighborhood. Um, so they they really understand um, and are trying to trying to help people um, you know uh, lose power. Uh, less this year uh, and not be as affected by PG&E's um, shutoffs because uh, when those happen, uh, it's it, very possible, even likely, I would say that Santa Rosa would be one of the more affected areas just given the risk there. So this company has been installing like three generators a week, they say. Um, wow. Let me make sure I understand, though. I th my understanding is yeah. correct, is that you can buy a smaller gas-powered generator but that's only going to get you a couple of electrical outlets um, that you could perhaps plug a, your phone into or a, or, a, or a fridge. But a lot of people are, are turning to larger systems that get installed actually into the home and power either the whole home or large parts of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's typically, I think, like on like a concrete slab and you got to get like a permit and stuff like that. I think. Yeah, no, I heard them yeah. in my neighborhood last year. I mean, there was a couple people that had them. Oh, really? Um, oh, they're really loud. Um, yeah, my, my mom, um, who lives in a, a kind of fire risky area, not too extreme, but she's in the Salinas Valley at the base of a mountain. Um, it's not one of the highest fire threat areas, but it, it, it has a risk. And um, she's been thinking about doing that, um, but has not done it yet. Yeah, but it's expensive. Trying to convince expensive. her to go solar batteries. Good, good. Um, they're also expensive. Um, also expensive. All right, last yeah, question, JD. Is there anything we can say just broadly about um, the conditions and the weather that can tell us whether this year is going to be more like 
the terrible years or whether it's going to hopefully be more like last year? Um, well, I got to hope it's like last year. <laughs> the last thing we need right now is some major natural disaster, fire catastrophe on top of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so the, it's a tricky question to answer because the thing about wildfires is you, you can't really predict it as much like, a, you know, a hurricane, for instance, because a, a fire needs a spark and you never know if that spark is going to come or when and where. Um, and it, it may never come. And so the big thing is, is we hope that it doesn't. Um, but um, there is a um, uh, service um, th- uh, that predicts like wildfire potential. And that um, is forecasting, unfortunately, uh, above normal um, wildfire potential for pretty much all of Northern California, like starting right about now. Next month, uh, in particular, um, uh, it's it's like really all of Northern California has uh, above normal wildfire potential. And then um, in October, uh, not as much of Northern California does, but a very large chunk of it still has that potential. Um, the good thing, though, is that I was drilling down into the details of that um, today and I think that same service is is expecting uh, a more normal start to um, the water year. Um, so the rains should hopefully arrive on time, um, which is about as good as we can expect at this point. That would be a true blessing. All right, JD, let's leave it there. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. If you're looking for information on how to prepare for a wildfire, you can try the San Francisco Chronicles Disaster Guide at sfchronicle.com slash survival hyphen guide or Cal Fire's information page is at readyforwildfire.org. Thanks to my guest today, reporter J.D. Morris, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Listening.